Welcome to Marvelous Disney with Aaron Adams, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams and I, are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. And Aaron, that makes it six and a half days after the Marvels first opened in theaters. It only sold $46.1 million worth of tickets in North America, which makes it the worst opening to date for an MCU film. And by the way, this is the 33rd film in the series. Even better than Thor, Dar- or worse than Thor Dark World, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Now, I want to start out this evening because I don't know if so you saw what Stephen King had to say about this. No, what's the good old Steve got to say about it? The master of horror decided to go to town on the online fanboys who were positively gleeful about how poor uh, the Marvels had done at the box office. And this is what King shared. It's like, look, I don't go to MCU movies, don't care for them. But I find this barely masked gloating over the low box office for the Marvels very unpleasant. It's like, why gloat over failure? Some of the rejections of the Marvels may be adolescent fanboy hate. You know, yuck, girls. That sounds about right. Yeah, but Disney seemed to know that this was going to happen, that the box office was going to be this low, and that something drastic needed to be done to course correct the MCU. So November 9th, the night that Marvels began its Thursday night preview screenings, Disney announced that only one MCU movie would be released in all of 2024, and that would be Deadpool 3, and just recently had its release date pushed back to July 26th of next year. Now, as for all of the other Marvel movies that were supposed to uh, come out in calendar 2024, Captain America, New World Order, has been pushed back to February 14th, 2025. Thunderbolts, which had been pushed off to December 20th of next year, is now going to be out in theaters July 25th, 2025. And Mahershala Ali's Blade reboot, which got shifted initially into a February 14th, 2025 uh, release date, has now been pushed all the way back to uh, November 7th of next year. And this just broke over the last couple of days or so. But do you remember how Avengers Campus out in Anaheim was supposed to get that King Thanos attraction? Yeah. I'm I'm sure everything's moving forward with that uh, with no delays. The gift shop that guests were supposed to exit through opened September 18th of this year, uh, Avengers Vault. However, this past Monday, November 13th, at the IAPA Lunch and Learn event. Now, this is being held as part of this year's Attraction Expo. That's being staged at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, Florida, on November 13th through the 17th. Chris Beatty, who is a senior creative portfolio executive at Walt Disney Imagineering, talked about the new Avatar experience that is in the works for Disney's California Adventure Park. At no time during this presentation did Beatty mentioned at all the Marvel Deluxe E-Ticket Plus, 
which has been in the works for this theme park since August of 2019. In fact, the revised version of this attraction was, was announced just in August of last year. And Aaron, I get it. The original Avatar made $2.9 billion in its long-awaited sequel, Avatar The Way of Water, made $2.3 billion. And if the movies that Marvel Studios has been releasing lately are failing to connect with audiences in a significant way, it kind of makes sense that the company would, would put a pause on no, the King, it doesn't. King Thanos project? No, no. Like, if you were to weigh the two side by side, mm -hmm. put Avatar on a scale, mm -hmm. how many movies you got? Two? Mm -hmm. How many total has it made? Four billion total over the years? This is true. Okay. Mm -hmm. Marvel has had now 33 films. Mm -hmm. Ooh, scale's kind of heavy. Uh, how many billion has all of those movies taken in over that time? That's a very interesting question. You know, also, the, the series that we've got, do we have any Avatar series on Disney Plus? No. Does it have a, a 50 years of comic books supporting it? Does it have, uh, you know, the, the little audio plays that they've been putting out on their little podcast where they do the dramatizations of Wolverine that we reviewed like a couple years ago? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Avatar doesn't have uh, one one thousandth of what Marvel has available to it. And I think that they're just making a knee-jerk reaction of, hey, we're burning the candle at both ends. Maybe we should save some. So, yeah, they slow down the pace on their movie making, maybe make sure their storytelling is better. But to, you know, take a whole land and say, nah, let's not, I think would be just foolish. You're not wrong. Disney's all over the map about this, that, you know, there are things going on in Imagineering that don't necessarily correlate What's, go, what's going on at the studio. And we will get to all of those stories today. But first, we want to remind you that the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Touring Plan's own travel agency. And if you're headed back to Orlando anytime soon, these obviously knowledgeable folks can help you make your next trip to the Magic Kingdom even more magical. They'll even throw in a free subscription to Touring Plan's with a, a vacation package you purchase. So, before you book your next trip to Florida, please check them out at touringplans.com backslash travel. Now, we've talked about people in Hollywood being concerned about superhero fatigue. So what happened with the Marvels this past weekend didn't just rattle the folks at Disney. It shook up a lot of folks at Sony as well. In fact, you were talking about how the Madam Web trailer that dropped just today and that will be out in theaters on February 16th, three months from now. So uh, I have to ask, Aaron, what did you think of the trailer? Uh, I, I'm mixed on a, a lot of different levels. Mm -hmm. I think the movie is probably just going to make money off of uh, Sidney Sweeney mm -hmm. wearing super tight like a black leather spider outfit. I think fanboys are just going to you know throw money at it just, just for a couple of scenes of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but like the trailer. I mean, it was cool that they at least tried to give you a hint of what the story was going to be, because for a long time it was a, a real mystery mm -hmm. uh, as to what any of it was going to be about. So the thing is, they show a couple of glimpses of the young ladies in their in their costumes, mm -hmm. and I got a really bad feeling about what they're doing here. I, th I think that they're doing a, a bait and switch, because I don't think all of these girls 
are spider girls when when they meet. Mm-hmm. They seem like average girls. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like they go on an adventure. Do you think in the time of this adventure, they're going to be able to have a origin story for three different spider girls all at once? Uh, that seems unlikely. It almost seems like when they show the girls in their costumes, like this is going to be the like end of the movie or peaking in the future of, and this is what they'll become. Mm-hmm. But not in this movie. We'll just be three ordinary girls to the very, 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 very end. And uh, that's what I'm afraid of is that it's a, it's a Madam Web movie, right? It is. It is. So they're going to follow uh, Dakota Johnson's character as the lead. And I don't think that she's going to be overshadowed by a bunch of other spider girls right away, even though they showed some hints of action. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty late in the game. So anyway, beyond all that, Ezekiel is a bad guy. He wasn't really, uh, he was more like a mentor to Spidey for a bit in the amazing comics. So that's kind of confusing. Yes, it is. Um, I tell you what, let, let's share the log line. So we get sort of a a basis of what they're looking to do with this film. So Logline reads, in a switch from the typical genre, Madam Web tells the standalone origin story of one of Marvel Publishing's most enigmatic heroines. The suspense-driven thriller stars Dakota Johnson as Cassandra Webb, a paramedic in Manhattan who may have clairvoyant abilities. Forced to confront revelations about her past, she forges a relationship with three young women destined for powerful futures, if they can all survive a deadly present. Now, I want to point out a couple of things here, because, again, face it, somebody in PR wrote this thing. So, uh, please note, it starts off with a, in a switch from a typical, from the typical genre. So, uh, no mention that this is a, a superhero movie. Also, it describes the film not as a superhero film, but a suspense-driven thriller. And then to sort of further underline and indent that they're trying to distance themselves from Marvel Comics, this is called one a standalone origin stories of one of Marvel Publishing's most enigmatic heroines, not a Marvel comic character. No, you publish a book, and eh. books are found in libraries with leather seats and people smoking pipes. Oh, yes, indeed. Mm. Who would like to hear a good story about a bridge? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, whereas comic books is very, very childlike. Hey, I, I'm going to hit the uh, clacks in here if I could, because I don't want to spoil anything, but I've heard rumors. Okay. And I want to make sure, you know, if, they, if they're accurate, that I don't ruin anything. So here we come, uh, okay. Klaxon Ahoy. Okay. Okay, so Adam Scott, right? He, he's, uh, he's an actor. Like, he's not just a throwaway character. Mm-hmm. He, he's a real actor with, with some name clout. Uh, some people are saying he's Uncle Ben. Oh. And that this is... Uh, the, the overall arching plot of the story mm-hmm. is they have to save... Pete's mom mm-hmm. from being uh, assassinated while she's pregnant with Peter. Mm. This is not a present day storyline. This is set back a few years. That's intriguing. Okay. Yeah. Now I got to go back and look at the trailer and see what the cars look like. Yeah, I know. I was kind of looking at the details of the timeline. And uh, now here's another thing. And, and I don't know how relevant this will be. But if you look at the logo for Madam Web, mm-hmm. they've got a Statue of Liberty and then a New York skyline mm-hmm. built into the uh, the M and the W of the Madam and the, and the Web. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, one thing I noticed is the Statue of Liberty is not holding a shield like it was in Spider-Man No Way Home. So it's either not in the same universe Mm -hmm. or it's set before they make the modifications to give the Statue of Liberty Cap's shield because that outline of the Statue of Liberty is the one that we know and love today Mm -hmm. in, in current New York City. Hmm. So it's either a timeline or a different universe from the Spider-Man we know and love. Okay. We're inches away, Aaron, from needing a whiteboard when we do this show. (laughs) Right, yeah. So Madam Web, February of next year. Then on the heels of Disney deciding to go with just one MCU film being released in all of 2024, Sony is still in the, the multiple Marvel movies business. I mean, Craven the Hunter... Opens in theaters August 30th, 2024. Gotta say, that's the tail end of summer. That doesn't scream confidence. If you had a a film you thought that would really perform well, you'd put it out at the beginning of blockbuster season, not the tail end. On the other hand, Venom 3 is now going to be released November 8th of next year. And that's outside of Halloween, which, you know, the last two Venom films were actually released early in October to sort of try to double dip to be a superhero movie with with a horror element. So I guess the big question here, Aaron, is that Disney clearly blinked or made a decision to the effect of, you know, we're going to make Marvel movies special again by putting fewer of them out for a while. What do you think? Will will Sony follow their lead here? I don't don't think that's what what Disney's doing at all in this case right now. Mm -hmm. Now that you line up those three... Those three movies, because remember, mm-hmm. Madam Web is written by the, the writers of Morbius. Mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in it right now. I mean, no matter what the trailer looks like, trailer looks like it could be some fun, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to poo-poo all over it. Okay. But I'm not going to go in with a, a really high bar mm-hmm. of, you know, fine cinema qualities. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be popcorn film fun, mm-hmm. I hope. Okay. And so anyway... Some of Sony's track record has not been so squeaky clean. If there is such a thing as superhero fatigue, mm-hmm. as some of us believe, it's not superhero fatigue, it's bad superhero fatigue, where they just make a crap superhero movie because that's the trend. And, uh, you know, people are, are tired of, you know, the trend cash grab stuff, but stuff that's that's good, that's important, people will show up for. So uh, I think that in this case, Disney's like, hey, Sony's got three potential turds coming out the next year. What if we clear the runway and just let them shit the bed and we'll just take over after that? This is really kind of almost confounding. I swear that they had released another title of a, a upcoming superhero that we wasn't on the slate before, but it's like, they're slowing down the release of movies. They've only got one coming out next year. Mm-hmm. You keep adding stuff to the schedule, but the it's like where, where, when, and why? Like, do we even? This isn't necessary at this point. We need fewer things in the way, mm-hmm. not more. And so, yeah, just I, I, they're confounding sometimes. I have to admit, just today, trying to to read the tea leaves. I mean, it, for example. Sony has three live-action superhero movies coming up. But on the other hand, they also have their Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, the the follow-up for Across the Spider-Verse, which was one of the top earners of the past year. But mind you, that was initially supposed to come out in March of 2024. But as we mentioned, 
there had been some behind-the-scenes issues. And, and in fact, just ahead of the SAG-AFTRA strike, uh, Sony announced that they were pulling Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse off the schedule entirely. And so we don't know at this point if it's actually going to come out in 2024. Folks I'm talking with suggest, oh, no, 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 check back 2025. And meanwhile, if we pivot to the, the other side of the street, to Warner's, James Gunn is still writing Herd on the relaunch of DC Studios. In fact, just today, news broke about casting for Superman Legacy. Uh, Maria Gabriela de Fario uh, has been cast as Angela Spice, a.k.a. the Engineer. Uh, she's evidently one of the villains to be featured in this new uh, Superman movie that's headed our way in July of 2025. And her power evidently stems from nanotechnology that's built into her body. And when you talk with folks, you know, at Warner's about, well, aren't you worried? And it's like, no, 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 we're not. By the time this movie comes out in 2025, it'll have been eight years since Justice League was released to theaters in 2017. And even, you know, if you, if you well, wait a minute, what about the Snyder Cut? Well, well, that was March of 2021. That'll be four years. You know, there will be appetite for this sort of thing, which now brings us to the the really interesting news that broke just today. So did you see this about the Fantastic Four film? Yes, and I don't believe it. I mean, uh, there have been so many different casting rumors mm -hmm. and so many offers that have been extended and rejected mm -hmm. or whatever. That uh, until uh, until I see it with me eyeballs, okay, okay, then I'll, I'll believe it. Deadline had this story about Pedro Pascal has reportedly been cast as Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four film, and again, backed up then by the Hollywood Reporter. And if you think about it, from a we need to turn the news cycle around, with so many people talking about what's going on with the Marvels and how it underperformed. This is almost the classic PR playbook. You know, the, the fact you put out, you know, a story that will distract, that will, you know, push people in a different direction. Oh, so that was also probably part of the plan for the Dustin Daniel Creighton news, right? Well, that's the other part of this story. Do you want to explain to the nice folks what, what the news was there? Well, isn't he kind of doing a little hokey pokey? He's a little stepping out and stepping back in. He's stepping away from, it was the uh, Kang dynasty, right? He was yeah. going to helm that. Mm -hmm. So he's stepping away from that and then stepping back into Shang-Chi 2. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now that was the one that I, I was thinking of that I couldn't remember what it was. Shang Chi Two has not been on the schedule so far, yeah. right? So, so they got to wedge that in somewhere. They're mm -hmm. slowing down the the you know how many movies they release per year, mm -hmm. but they keep saying, "Oh, and by the way, we're going to do this movie as well." And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, when? When is like? I mean, great. I'm glad that we're going to get a Shang Chi Two, mm -hmm. but if he's stepping. Out of one movie and into the other, does that mean that Shang-Chi 2 is coming before or around the same time as? Because if it's, if it's coming later, mm -hmm. why can't he do both? Well, okay. Uh, something else important to stress here is that, that uh, Destin Daniel Creighton uh, is also the showrunner on Wonder Man, uh, okay. which a uh, limited series for, for Disney+, Plus, which again got disrupted by the writer's strike and SAG-AFTRA. So uh, evidently... That's the first thing to get 
got teed up. Uh, and then okay. after that would be Shang-Chi. But the other bit of news that came within the same window of time was that the writer, I, I, I want to say is is Jeff Loveless, who wrote Quantum Mania and who and then was tapped to write Avengers the Kang Dynasty. Joanna Robinson, the the author of the uh, MCU, the the Reign of Marvel Studios, just revealed this past week that she's learned that uh, Jeff is no longer employed by Marvel Studios, uh, and that's largely because they've decided not to pursue the Kang Dynasty. So if you take that bit of information and the news about Destin Daniel uh, Creighton here, that maybe the again his decision to step away from uh, Kang Dynasty, you know, wasn't because the movie doesn't exist anymore. Is that what you're trying to say? That's what I'm trying to say. So wow, that's well, <laughs> imagine if you're trying to read direct headlines. Yeah, what better way to do it than just go, hey, by the way, we're dropping the whole Kang Dynasty thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they can do that. I mean, they had a, a story that was supposed to build up to a thing. Remember like how, you yeah. know, Infinity War led up to and then we had Endgame, you know, yes. it was it was broken into those two parts. Mm-hmm. I kind of had the feeling that it was the a same kind of idea with, you know, there was going to be the Kang Dynasty is going to be your setup, your your A mm-hmm. movie and then your B movie to finish it off would be Secret Wars. And then you go back into individual movies after that. And if they get rid of the setup, mm-hmm. well, what the hell are they going to do? Just start Secret Wars. Everyone just shows up on Mystery Planet, on Battle Planet for, for no reason. Battle World, whatever I, it was called. I do not know what to tell you. But uh, to further muddy the water here, the trades are reporting that Wonder Man has joined Echo as a Marvel Spotlight project. So... Whatever happens in Wonder Man and Echo doesn't necessarily impact the MCU as a whole. The problem here is there are so many moving parts. And and in fact, it's worth noting that Wonder Man is supposed to resume shooting right after Thanksgiving. So later this month. Now, uh, I don't know if we're going to end up, you know, talking more about what Mm -hmm. if later on in the show. But one thing I noticed about in the in the trailer that they had for it was the dates were going to be that it was going to release Mm -hmm. and then have one episode every day for was it six days or nine days? However many episodes there are. Really? They're doing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's all back to back to back to back to back. It's it's not being all dropped at once like they were supposedly doing with Echo, but they are doing it like, you know, if it was six days in a row or six episodes, it's it's six days in a row. Wow. So, okay. Yeah, that was really interesting. I mean, you know, I, I would think you would spread it out like peanut butter, make sure you get it all over the month and, you know, give people a reason to tune in and keep their Disney subscription. Okay, so if, if, hmm. if, if that is true then season two of marvel what if drops on december 22nd and that means they run through all nine episodes before the end of the year and and then you know when you just look at at 2024 again we've mentioned just the one theatrical release there are only two limited series uh scheduled for all of next year so far we have echo which, again, drops really early in the year, January 10th. 
Do you know when this whole Disney plus Hulu merger thing is supposed to happen? Wasn't that supposed to be in December? Uh, I want to say February. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, I was just wondering, this whole, you know, dropping your whole show in one day or one week or, or whatever, I just wondered if that was ha- had anything to do with the, the two coming together. Like, they're trying to, you know, get subscribers of, hey, look at this. It's all new content. It's a smorgasbord of stuff. But if it's already out by the time it, that merger happens, I guess it, it's not as impactful. So that doesn't mean anything anymore. See, that's the problem. There is so much counterintuitive information passing at the zone. I mean, for example, again, Echo cut from six episodes to five, all of them dropping on January 10th, and then we don't get anything of Marvel-related on Disney Plus till the fall of next year. And then it's Agatha Darkhold Diaries, and everything we're hearing is that's being done as a Halloween event, that it will start in mid-September and then march right up to the holiday. And meanwhile, reaching out to folks who are working on the animated Spider-Man freshman year in Marvel Zombies, and what I'm hearing is, yes, they were supposed to drop in 2024, but with this new directive from Disney to the effect of the way you make people want Marvel again is you cut it back. This is all uh, potentially pushed off to 2025. And, and I have to tell you, I, I've got a friend who worked on Ironheart. That started shooting back in Georgia in June of 2022. And then they went to Chicago to do some on-location work in October, and they wrapped in November of last year. And at this point, it's looking likely that this series, which you can't remember, was tied to Black Panther Wakanda Forever, won't show up on Disney Plus till three years after it first began shooting. Okay, so talk about timelines like that again. And mm-hmm. and we were mentioned earlier uh, uh, Shang-Chi 2 that was added to the slate. Another one. I, I got to do the, the klaxon like almost two times for this because this is super spoiler. Okay. That credit scene mm-hmm. in, in the Marvels, yeah. I'm not going to say anything specific about it, mm-hmm. but it implies a, a new a new movie. It does. Right? And, and it's like... By the time that movie happens, you're going to have to, like, everyone's going to have to have babies, and those are going to grow up to be the Young Avengers, because these kids will be too old to play for the Young Avengers by the time they get to film it. They'll be moms, you know, they'll be middle-aged, and uh, I just, where in the timeline? And I'm not even talking the MCU timeline, I'm talking about our real-world timeline. 2027, 2028? Do not know what to tell you. And part of this, uh, to be honest here, folks, is that four huge stories broke just this afternoon. So, you know, just getting, you know, trying to do the outreach to the effect of, what does this mean? Out ahead of us recording tonight. I, you know, I'm, in fact, I, as I'm sitting here with Aaron, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on my email to see what might slide in. But, yeah, this is definitely... A work in progress, Aaron. And, and But what I'm hearing over and over again from folks at Disney and folks at Marvel Studios is like, this is Kevin Feige trying to be a good corporate citizen. What Bob Iger has asked him to do to just stomp on the brakes in regard to Marvel with the hope that 
if there isn't a whole lot of this stuff for a year or so, the appetite will come back. Doesn't Feige just have to outlive uh, Bob Iger's contract at the moment? Wasn't he only supposed to be here for a limited amount of time? Uh, When's his contract up? The reason I'm making that noise is Bob Iger was supposed to leave the Disney company four separate times before he finally left, you know, and Bob Chapek became the, the CEO. And then he came back. And then, you know, his, I'm only going to be on the job for a year, then got extended for, what is it now, two and a half years, three years? And in his most recent earnings calls conversations, Bob was talking about how the problems were much bigger than I had anticipated, and it will take more time to fix them. So, Did he ever use the words cold, dead, and hands? <laughs> 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 Uh, an advice of counsel. Like, okay, you know, okay. All right. All right. We'll tell you what, folks. We're now going to pivot to talking uh, in a, a spoilery sort of way about the end of season two of Loki and a little bit about uh, the Marvels because we, we want to allow folks the chance to go see it in theaters. But first, this. We were just talking about Jeremy Renner on uh, last week's show and about all of the various treatments he's tried and, and exercises and that sort of thing. But it turns out that today marks 10 months of recovery since Renner's near-fatal snowplow accident. So Jeremy shared a video today and the text that went with the video showing him running uphill on an incline, it's, it's like... Today marks the day of 10 months of recovery and first attempt at any of this kind of activity, especially in a steep grade, and brought me to tears of joy, hopefulness, and gratitude for all of your support along with my friends and family. I keep pushing for many reasons, but you are my fuel. So Marvel is the effect of when you're ready to go back in front of the cameras, we'll put you in anything. The question is, what are they shooting? Okay, so... Let's talk about the Marvels. In particular, why do you think it performed the way it did at the box office this past weekend, Aaron? Because there's a lot of different theories out west. Oh, shit. I mean, how much time do you have? Mm -hmm. There's a hundred reasons. Okay. When when was lockdown? 2020? Uh, March of 2020, yes. 20. Mm -hmm. All right. So people have been trained for at least a year and a half, almost two years, not to go to the theater. Mm-hmm. A, they, they uh, you had restrictions in mm-hmm. spacing. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to wear masks. It made it almost impossible to film a movie, mm-hmm. right? So movies in general, just the overall population of movies that we got, mm-hmm. they had to be incredibly small, like two people in a room type of movies with a camera. And like, that was it. Because you couldn't do big m- movies like Cleopatra with, you know, 10,000 extras, it just wasn't feasible with COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. So all the movies that we got for a couple of years were incredibly small, sometimes brilliantly written, but very, very small on budget. They weren't Tom Cruise spectacles jumping off the Burj Dubai or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so there really wasn't a reason to go to the movie, even when you could go to the movies. Mm-hmm. And so we've been trained not to go 
the stuff that was there wasn't worth paying for to go see on a big screen. You could watch it at home because it was quiet. It was a thoughtful movie or whatever, and, and you didn't need it. So you got that working against you. You got Disney Plus that's trained you to say, hey, uh, we're going to be putting it out on our, our content machine over here on your TV anyway because we, we need your subscription. And the only way to do that is by feeding you new content. And lo and behold, that's new content. So now people have another reason not to go to the theater and see it. Beyond that, we've mentioned that there's a whole bunch of misogynistic people that just like to hate on girls for some reason. Mm-hmm. Don't I have no understanding for it, but it's really stupid. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they boycott and they don't go because, you know, ew, ick, girls. Mm-hmm. So you got a, a little chunk of the population that doesn't want to go see it there. Also, uh, actors strike. You don't have anyone promoting the movie. What was interesting about the timing of the end of the strike. I mean, we found out last Wednesday that, you know, the actor strike had been resolved, but the strike wouldn't officially be over till 12.01 on Thursday. So even with Disney moving at warp speed, the best they could do is they got Brie Larson on The Tonight Show Friday night talking up the Marvels. But at that point, the movie had literally been in theaters for a day and a half, a day and a quarter. They also flew Amon Villani and, and uh, Tion Paris and, and Brie to New York, and they spent the weekend going around to various theaters surprising folks who had, you know, come out to see the Marvels. And that did get some press coverage, and there was some viral stuff. But when it comes to promoting a film, you do the interviews months out for print and the right. video weeks out. And the campaign that's normally done to support these sorts of things just didn't happen. And that coupled with the fact that when Marvel does a movie, they do a worldwide promotion. You know, there are five and six world premieres. And in fact, in talking with the folks at, at Marvel, the thing that frustrated them the most is they called in favors, they twisted arms, and they actually got the Marvels into China on the exact same day that it was going to open up in the United States, but they couldn't send the cast to promote the film. So the folks at Disney, it's like we made one point or 11.5 million in China over its opening weekend. And mm-hmm. on the other hand, you know, if you look back to what the original Captain Marvel did in 2019, it was 89 million and it's just the effect that we couldn't promote it there was nothing we could do we were we were kneecapped because again they look at the film it's got solid production values it's of good quality and break out the klaxon here yep all right there, there you go yep the the end of this thing not only sets up the young avengers but also an x-men movie so normally that you would think that's throwing gasoline on the bonfire. Wouldn't you have to go to a theater to see that? But nobody did. So one thing I've, I, you know, tell some of my advertising clients mm-hmm. is uh, I could take a nugget of gold. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves gold. And I could go put it out somewhere in Indianapolis underneath a teacup. And it could sit there for months and nobody would find it because nobody's looking for it because I haven't told anybody it exists. Mm-hmm. But if I were to buy a commercial and go, hey, by the way, I've hidden a nugget of gold under a teacup at the intersection of blank and blank. Mm-hmm. Well, that nugget of gold would be gone in a flash because mm-hmm. it's valuable. People want it. Miss mm-hmm. Marvel and the Marvels mm-hmm. 
if you're not doing, you know, promotional, you've got, you've got a nugget of gold and you haven't told anybody it exists. Mm-hmm. Why, sure, you're running commercials. Mm-hmm. But the sad truth is a lot of people, you're watching TV, a commercial comes on, it's like, all right, now i got to go unload the dishwasher real quick while the commercials are on. Mm-hmm. We've been trained to tune out the commercials. When the t- commercials come on, oh, now I can talk to my spouse who's on the couch next to me. Mm-hmm. Hey, what do you think's going to happen on the next Top Chef? Mm-hmm. Who do you think's going to bake the best cake? But you're not paying attention to the commercial. So even though there might be a, a Marvel's commercial there, you may be oblivious to it because you're not actively engaged at that moment. So the way that you stealth your message in is you go on the Tonight Show, you go chat with Jimmy Kimmel, and you put Brie Larson in front of a, a million eyeballs there. And then they go, oh, by the way, your movie's out this weekend. And I'm sitting on the couch going, oh, that's right. It is this weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we cover this stuff. We talk about it all the time, but I mm-hmm. still get so caught up in my day to day. I forget what day it is. And I see Brie Larson go, oh, my God, it's Friday. That's right. That's today. Yeah. And so uh, if you don't have the promotion machine working, it doesn't matter how great your thing is. Mm-hmm. If you don't tell people about it, they're not going to show up. And the irony is the way Hollywood works is, again, we're, we're recording this. Six and a half days after the Marvels dropped, you know, for its Thursday night pre. And as far as most people in Hollywood are concerned, this movie is already in the rear view. And in fact, I was talking with somebody about, yeah, we're already looking at, you know, how we're going to do a different campaign for Disney Plus, because we feel like that, you know, once that movie shows up there, people will discover it and they'll get excited. But, you know, we need a, a, a different campaign for that. But, you know, I think they really should look at what they're doing with Indiana Jones right now, mm-hmm. I think, is the right maneuver mm-hmm. for that movie at this time. And what I mean by that is, you know, it didn't perform at the box office the way they wanted it to. Mm-hmm. But they waited for uh, the digital release came out mm-hmm. and then the Blu-ray came out and it still hasn't come out on Disney Plus yet. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to see that movie, mm-hmm. you either got to wait. When when did uh, Indy come out? Wasn't it like summertime, June or July? Oh, it was the before the 4th of July weekend. Okay, yeah. So late June till till end of, you know, like we're almost going to be going into, was it December 1st when it shows up, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a, still a couple weeks away. That's like a, almost, you know, five months of waiting mm-hmm. before that shows up on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Honestly, they should wait a flipping year from whenever it was in theaters. If it was out on July 4th weekend, that's when it should show up the next year on Disney Plus and just make you just go, oh, my God, I just want to flip and see it already. Okay, well, then Mm -hmm. go buy it. That's what we want you to do. Just go buy a physical copy. Go buy the digital download. I don't care, Mm -hmm. but just go buy it before they mm-hmm. they were rushing everything you, you remember it was black widow was day and date with theater and disney plus and that was like oh the model has changed and all of hollywood has been expecting us to go back to the old ways mm-hmm. and you know what that it doesn't exist anymore and we're still measuring by the same yardstick and it's stupid mm-hmm. The game is all changed. We need to change the yardstick that we're measuring by and understand that it's just not the same. Any- and especially with the writer's strike and the actor's strike, another drought of good entertainment for the mm-hmm. theaters mm-hmm. means more and more years of us not having to go to that church anymore. Mm-hmm. And years away from church, you suddenly all of a sudden go, eh, I didn't need to go to that church anyway. I got my religion over here. You're making entirely too much sense. That That's what's concerning me here. Well, I mean, we talked about the Taylor Swift thing. 
And I think that's the what the theater owners really need to look at real hard right now is Taylor mm-hmm. Swift is super popular across the entire world. And you cannot sell a kidney to go buy a ticket to an actual concert, but you can afford 15 bucks to go to the theater. And I think that's the difference there is I've got bands I would love to go see. Mm-hmm. I've gone to go see Laser Pink Floyd at the Planetarium before. Mm-hmm. What if there was, you know, more concerts coming to you that you couldn't afford to go see in real life and you got to be a participate that on, on an IMAX screen? Like the U2 thing at the, the big, huge round dome in Vegas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't the go to sphere. Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't go to Vegas. Can't, I don't have the time. Don't have the money. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I could go to Indie IMAX and see it on, you know, a five-story tall projection there? Well, that'd be pretty cool. And only, you know, 15 bucks. I could afford that. But it's not a movie. Well, speaking of movies, and, I, and again, what's interesting to remember that Deadpool 3 was only 50% through production when it had the shutdown, you know, due to the writer's strike and the actor's strike. Sean Levy is doing his damnedest to get that film back up in, uh, in front of cameras. And in fact, they're trying to, you know, right after Thanksgiving, get back up to speed. But to be honest, the cast scattered to the four winds and likewise the tech people. And it may be as late as tail end of December, early January before they shoot again. But what's kind of interesting is that supposedly... Disney has effectively turned to Sean and said, what do you need? Do you need more money? Is there something that you wanted to do that you couldn't do previous with the budget? Because now suddenly this is the one Marvel movie coming out. We've bet everything on red. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it exactly. And it's just that the whole notion of it is, is there a scene that you wanted or an actor you wanted? or And now, mind you, there's a number of people at Disney who are still you know this is an R-rated comedy, right? You know, no mm. matter how well it does, it's not going to do as well as a PG or PG-13 film. I you know, just as there's that that bar. But the thinking is, doesn't matter. It's got to be special. It's got to whet the appetite. It's got to get people excited about Marvel again. So it's like whatever it takes to make sure that this is this film, when it comes out in late July of next year, is this monstrous success that suddenly gets people excited going to a Marvel movie again. That's what we have to do. So just going to be fascinating to see when this goes back before the camera, if there's any news about any additional actors. And and remember, we were already talking about how supposedly Taylor Swift is going to play the Dazzler in, mm-hmm. in this film. So anyway, we'll, we'll keep an ear to the ground on, on that one, folks, and let you know when they do finally get... Deadpool 3 back up and running and who potential is going to show up in it. But now let's pivot to our season finale for Loki season two. What do we think? Well, when we ended episode five, I just had no idea what they could possibly do. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was so, so confounding, you know, Mm -hmm. like, where are they going with this? Mm hmm. What they ended up doing with episode six Mm -hmm. was like emotionally heart-wrenching on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. It was almost like a really excellent episode of The Twilight Zone for me. I could get behind that. Yeah. And and it was a very cruel episode of Mm -hmm. The Twilight Zone as well because 
uh, Loki's trying to figure out what he's got to do to make this thing work. And at some point when he asks like Obi mm-hmm. and timely, mm-hmm. you know, he has to ask them, you know, what do I need to do to learn all the stuff that you would learn? How, how long would that take? And they're like, you know, decades. It would take yeah. like forever to learn all this. Yeah. And Loki's like, oh, okay, I'll be right back. And he it's like is implied in that blink yep. that he went and spent decades learning all of that stuff that he needed to learn so he could come back and have that solution. And uh, when you get to the fact that he then goes back to see he who remains at the end of time, at the end of you know season one, and they relive that moment again. Mm-hmm. And when he who remains ends up dying and he goes, see you soon. Mm-hmm. Those words have whole new meaning now. I do. Because he's in a time loop. Yeah. And the fact that he who remains knows that Loki, he, like he set him on this path and he knows that Loki had to go through like decades of learning to learn all that stuff, to get to this moment. To ha- And it's like, that. what kind of hell is that to put someone through, you know? Yeah, I'm going to make you do 30 years of physics learning just to get to this point. And, and then the climax, the, f- the finale of the show mm-hmm. where Loki realizes what he has to do and the whole, I am burdened with glorious purpose. Mm, yeah. Oh my God. Like, like those words now have a weight. And as they say, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Oh mm-hmm. my God. To just sit there lonely at the end of time, like he wanted to be a king. He's mm-hmm. the he's the king now. He's he's now the big god, mm-hmm. so to speak, that has his grip around all of time and reality. Mm-hmm. But he's destined to sit there alone and just observe it all. And really, I think that's probably going to be the last time we see Loki for a good long time. It's the most perfect way you can close on that character from the way he started mm-hmm. wanting the throne yeah. to now having a throne that that is at the end of time and in space. I mean, it, it reminded me honestly, Jim of the twilight zone episode where it was the guy that just wanted to read his books and he broke his glasses at the oh. end. That that was the feeling I got from that, that very bittersweet, you, you got everything you wanted, but mm-hmm. man, are you sorry that you did? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, for me, there was so much spectacular acting in this. And, and in fact, the scene with Owen Wilson and you know, Mobius and Loki where it's him time slipping back to the very first meeting between Mobius and Loki, when, when Mobius is beginning his initial interrogation, and to watch Loki, and it, what I loved about that is Loki time slipped and managed to make a connection and talk honestly with Mobius. And you got to hear Mobius's tragic backstory, the thing about when he and Renslayer were sent back to take out a variant. And when Mobius saw it was an eight-year-old boy, he hesitated. And because he hesitated, a, a number of, of, of hunters died and, and it only and things got kind of out of control. But Renslayer was able to step in and, and take control and, and make things right. And that's actually how she wound up being a judge. But you got to see just killer acting by Owen Wilson. And, and I think that's the other thing that I genuinely enjoyed about this episode was when you really get down to why Loki did what he did, it was to save his friends. 
that somebody had to make the sacrifice. And it was the notion of when you think about the arc of Loki and how selfish and self-centered he was when we first met him and to watch, you know, the full arc now and, and the very thing you described that he went from being a, I wish I could claim this, but that somebody who wrote a review about this particular episode said he went from being a, a god with a small G to a god with a capital G. Just so well done. And evidently it was Kevin Feige. They're working on it in post and he's watching the stuff that they've done with Loki reaching out and grabbing the various threads of time and pulling them together. And Kevin's like, oh my God, I, oh Jesus, guys, I figured out what this is. And he, he made everybody go back to the opening of Captain America where they, they go in search of the Tesseract. And do you remember that wood carving of the, the, yeah, no, the tree, the Norse tree of life. And it's like, yeah. That's what it's got to look like at the end. When, when we finally pull back, that's what we have to see. And the fact that, you know, Kevin so late in the game came up with that bookend and figured out a way to tie it back in. Lovely storytelling. And in fact, I, if I'm being completely honest here, I also like the storytelling on the Marvels. In fact, there is a part of me that is genuinely kind of sad that this is the playbook right now that what Disney has decided to do to make Marvel special again is we're going from feast to famine. We're, we're going to enter a time when there's very little product. But, but the idea is the only way this is going to be special again is if it is special. And, and you only get one a year. And then now I don't entirely understand how you pivot out of you do your Deadpool 3, and that's really special, to the following year, you're back to three films, and you're, you're supposedly marching forward with your Fantastic Four with Pedro Pascal. And did we mention the Vanessa Kirby thing, that she also evidently it's leaked that she's going to play Sue Storm? And, right, yeah. And I know, you don't believe that. So, not, not until there's a trailer and Marvel's, you know, marching them out on the, you know, the Kimmel show and all, mm -hmm. all that stuff. But uh, when it comes out and it actually has Pedro, and the big question is, mm -hmm. if Pedro gets the role, mm -hmm. will he shave that mustache? <laughs> <laughs> There's an interesting question. Because yeah. he didn't have to do that for the Mandalorian. Yeah. No, see, the whole idea of, you know, mm -hmm. it's got to stay special, I'll buy that with James Bond. Okay. Because that is an individual character. Mm -hmm. It's not a universe. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're totally different from Iron Man and from Captain America and from Blade and, mm -hmm. and all that. So it's just a matter of what's right for right now and, uh, you know, what's resonating. And they've given us a glutton of everything. Like, I, for the whole Agatha thing, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm sorry that I'm predicting it's not going to do well, but I just don't think it's a necessary story for the overarching, you know, Marvel universe. If they wanted to have it all threaded together and everything be important, that is an appendage that could be severed without affecting the overall arc of the the bigger picture. That's the thing is they've got a lot of stuff they're going, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do that, and we're gonna do that, but we're slowing everything down. I think there's gonna be some pruning in the future of maybe we don't need this. Maybe we'll, you know, push this back to the future future. We have to wait till Echo drops in January to see how this Marvel Spotlight series works and, you know, the notion of stories outside of the MCU. 
I guess, again, today was just kind of a fascinating day between getting the trailer for Marvel What If, and, and that looked lovely, and this news about Pedro, but at the same time, this notion of this is Disney definitely slamming on the brakes. But at the same time, you have all of these movies and projects that are still going forward or are about to gear up again. I mean, Wonder Man and Deadpool 3 and the casting up of, of Fantastic Four. It just seems weird that we've got so many different things that are coming, you know, like what if season two mm-hmm. and they're going to like drop them all in, in like a week's time and then... Uh, Echo, is that just to like get, I don't want to say get rid of them, but like the quicker we go away, the quicker you miss us. So instead of dragging this out with a long goodbye, let's rip it off like a bandaid, put these things out, walk away and let there be some space starting right now. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. In fact, suddenly, you know, when you take that into consideration and that this plan has been in the offing for a while now, maybe this whole January 10th, dropping all five Echoes. Maybe it's not about, gee, that didn't come together the way we hoped. It's to the effect of, yeah, we need it to be quiet for a while. But at the same time, you got to wonder if the folks at Disney were want to have a conversation with the folks at Sony as well. It's like, can you not put three Spider-Man related movies out in 2024? We're trying to be special again. And again, that's just the part of me that what kind of kills me is I was enjoying this. I was enjoying the interconnected stories. I was enjoying seeing character, you know, like like, uh, Valani, who did such a wonderful job as Ms. Marvel and and how she basically stole the Marvels out from under Brie Larson and, and Tiona Paris and Samuel L. Jackson, for that matter. And to have the end of that movie teased that, oh, something cool is coming over the horizon. Yeah, Yes, but at a very slow pace. So we were just talking about product, which, of course, is what 32nd Street, uh, you know, your, your Patreon project about all things that go on in the world of advertising in Madison Avenue. So what's the show talking about this week? This week, uh, Christmas comes earlier if you're a Patreon subscriber and you mm-hmm. get your Christmas present uh this Mm -hmm. thursday and if you're a a regular listener you wait for the show to come out on the regular thing it's six weeks behind which means you'll get your christmas present uh, a a few days after christmas Mm -hmm. and that's not my fault that's just the way the calendar works Mm -hmm. uh i would blame uh, julius caesar for adding i think july the whole (laughs) month of july through the whole number system off of so three days late. I'm sorry about that but uh i'm not gonna say what the show's about because it's a christmas gift Mm mm-hmm and uh, it's not necessarily about advertising at all. It's it's something different. And uh, it's it's just our way of saying, thanks for listening this year. We also have some other podcasts here we'd love you to, to, to listen to. We, of course, have Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. Likewise, we have Fine Tuning, which I do with Drew Taylor. And Drew, of course, has his own outside project, Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast that he does with Charles Hood. I guess I should also mention Len and my Patreon project, Disney Unpacked, which is a show starring Jim Schull, an imaginer of 30 plus years at the Disney company. And Jim takes us behind the scenes on the creation of some of the, the great, great attractions for the park that he's had a hand in over the years. Things like Rock and Roller Coaster, Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. And come December, he's going to shine a spotlight on the creation of 
what was once called Disney MGM Studios, but is now called Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, what about social media, Aaron? Are, are, are we still in the same places? Yeah, so far just hanging out on X at Azapride, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. But you're everywhere. You're on ev- all the things. Well, we're on X slash Twitter, whatever you're calling it. And Instagram is Jim Hill Media. Uh, over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. And again, I apologize, folks. This was a, a show that, as I was writing it, stories were, were lobbing in over the transom. And I would expect over the next 24 to 48 hours, the same thing will happen. Okay, look, you know the, the scene in the in the movies where the, the gangsters have, have robbed the bank? Mm-hmm. It's, it, and they take the money and they throw it in the money and they get naked and they roll around in the money, the filthy, mm-hmm. filthy money. Mm-hmm. That's been Jim Hill with news. <laughs> oh, nobody. <laughs> Marvel news, just throw it on the bed and roll around. No, oh, nobody. Lovely, lovely no. Marvel news. I love you, Marvel news. All right, I, we need to get that visual out of people's heads. So, okay, the, the, here's how we're going to get that visual out of uh, people's heads. You know, you mentioned earlier on today's show about uh, Loki season two finale when the loom malfunctioned and it was effective, well, what's it going to take for me to learn all of this physics in order to be able to help and speed things along? And I think Obi said centuries or decades or something out of fact. Mm-hmm. And what immediately brought that brought to mind to me was Groundhog Day. Did you know how long Bill Murray's character supposedly was trapped in that time loop? I remember uh, reading it, and it was a very specific amount of, like, days or years. It was. The screenwriter says that the Weatherman character had to live the exact same day over 12,394 times before he finally got it right. And evidently, compared to what what Loki had to go through, Bill Murray got off light. Twelve thousand three hundred fifty six days a year. That was like thirty three years. There we go. That's supposedly how long he was stuck in Punxsutawney. But anyway, all right. Hopefully, that takes the whole rolling around naked and money (laughs) thing out of your head. So no, it's back. Oh, oh, there we go. All right. Anyway, story. (laughs) That's now too late. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. And Aaron and I will be back next week.